What's going on, guys, and welcome back to the one and only Growing Together podcast. My name is Kaylin. And I'm Kyra. And we're here to walk with you through life, faith, relationships, and money. Y'all, welcome back to the next segment of Loud and Wrong. No. No? No. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, man. Y'all, do we look tan? I'm tan. Well, I'll take off my watch and just... For y'all yeah, who if you're listen, on video, you can see my tan. Do we sound tan? <laughs> where did that tan come from? Where did it come from? You stay tan that long? Yeah. Y'all tell me why. Okay, let's just talk a little bit about colorism real quick. <laughs> As a black person, you probably experienced this or you didn't. If you're dark skinned, you might have, especially if you grew up in the era that I grew up in. But I remember ruining every summer. We got a pool built in my childhood home shout out to my parents and you know it's super fun swimming but i pledged to only swim in the evening and at night why because the sun would be gone i remember being so afraid to get darker during the summer and i remember convincing myself that if i went swimming at like 12 p.m and got my little tan and got dark got black that (laughs) if i went and took a shower immediately after I could wash the extra blackness off. But were you rubbing lemons on yourself? You were doing that? Yes. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No. Shocker. We thought this story was going to be out, Caitlin. What? Okay, so when I was in high school, obviously I did cheer, but we would, would have summer camp over summers outside in Bakersfield. Triple degree. Everything is outside. And I would literally get so like tan from obviously being outside and I was like not recognizable. Like that's how tan I would get. And I hated it. I always said that I looked like a dirty penny. What? Like I hated how it looked. And obviously I had seen like in magazines, I remember seeing like celebrities and stuff, they would tan, but it would be like Beyonce, like golden bronze. So I thought like, oh, I'll, when I tan, like that's what I'll look like. But for some reason, I just hated how I looked when I got tan. So I would Google ways to like get rid of the tan. You Google it too? Wow, babe, we are so much alike. Yeah. <laughs> and now I don't even, because I'm tan from being outside and I'm like, I don't know why I like hated it. No, I don't think I ever Googled it because I was way too young. I feel like when I got to the age to be old enough to like know how to write sentences and spell things and start mm-hmm. Googling, I wasn't as self-hating um but my self-hate manifested in different ways so i started projecting my self-hate and my colorism um for myself onto black girls so i remember um it's not even that like i even was like self-hating towards them i was just projecting like we grew up in like on the white side of town you could say in the southwest at that time and i remember just being the only black kid in class and um, or only black guy in class, really. And I remember getting a lot of attention from black girls. And, you know, some of these girls I would have been interested in, but that was like not the cool thing. I mean, you you were at the butt end of this. I remember all my friends trying to say Kyra is so ugly in uh, seventh yeah, literally. grade. That's, I mean, that was middle school. So that's probably why as when I got into high school, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm already like the ugly duckling. Wow. Especially because middle school, we were definitely the minority. Like there were, oh, a thousand percent. There, there were black kids, but there were like all of our friends were white. Yeah, and I just remember like you know all of our friends were white, and they were slick racist, saying some microaggression. Mm-hmm. They were they was racist, mm-hmm. and they would try and make fun of black girls. And I'm like, well, shoot, when it comes down to it, am I going to stand up or am I going to fit in? <laughs> they literally so called me Kai Man. My weak tail was fitting in. Not with you though. By the time I was in seventh grade, I was like, yeah, I'm not having it. So. We dated, and I remember my friends trying to get on you, and I remember roasting them because they was getting no play. They had no (laughs) Mac, and they was getting no girls. Like, it was so goofy to do it with you because you were obviously the prettiest girl, you know, or you didn't know. No. That's what made it. That's what made it so better, so much better. Um, I feel like when you got in high school, you knew, like, oh, I'm kind of cute. Yeah, one time (laughs) in high school, I was like, because I went to high school, all my friend group was entirely black, so Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm actually not ugly. Okay, yeah. great. So I just remember we'd be talking about like, oh, horse hair it is. And mm-hmm. literally 
this one black girl exposed me. I still remember her name. I would say it, but you know, she's just like, Kaylin, you darker than all of us. And I was like, you know what? As a matter of fact, that's not true. This girl's a little bit darker than me, but we about the same complexion. And I'm over here like, oh yeah, you dark, Darkies. hard ha- horse hair, all this stuff. And what really, really got me, what got me, slapped me out of this colorism, what slapped me out of this health self-hatred was maybe it was the same girl that was just like, your mama black, your sisters is black. I know your dad. You don't act like that. And I'm just like, I got rope <laughs> as a seventh grader, sixth grader or whatever. And that really slapped me out of it. I'm just like, why am I? acting like this like who am i really trying to impress because these people that's acting racist towards literally me and my people ain't rocking with me Mm -hmm. that's why they talk like that yeah so i stopped hanging out with them as a matter of fact and from that point on it was a journey of self-love and being proud of where i come from like it same once i got into high school that's when i stopped straightening my hair every day i actually chopped it and was like I literally, it's crazy how the people you're around, the people you call friends, their influence on you at a time of your life. And then when you get out of that, it's like, wait, why did I ever let them convince me to think that way about myself? Yeah. And I don't even think, I don't even know if the girls I that I hung out around at the time were like trying to make me feel bad about myself. I think it was probably just, you know, I guess that's what they call microaggression is sometimes like when people don't realize it, but it's just the little things that they say yeah, or like kind of not inviting you over, you know, when they have the sleepover or making you sit at the far end of the table and like they're gossiping or talking about stuff. And then when you ask like, Oh, what are you talking about? They kind of just, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I really just wanted to like, I want to go back in time and like, who told me that black people were ugly? Like I'm literally black and nobody in my house was talking about that. And nobody in my church was talking about that. Nobody at the family was talking like that. Who told me, who told other little black kids that we're ugly? And why would, why would we feel that way? And I understand like um, the beauty standards that are set in society today and um, how you know little girls and little boys can grow up feeling like they're less than through looking at what gets the most attention on social media. But like for people like us, who told me? That I was ugly. That in like literally my, my, fifth grade. Yeah. That, that my ethnicity is ugly. Um, oh, I was. I said this in the podcast before, but I just remember me really thinking for myself and looking at black women, and I'm just like, I don't feel like I'm ugly, but they're trying to tell me yeah. that they are, and I don't feel I like think they also are. Some and, of it is like your personal like talking your like in your head, because I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I could. I feel like everyone's staring at me because I have curly hair or everyone's staring at me because my skin tone. And obviously I'm like the sore thumb that's like sticking Mm. out in a group of white people. Like even my friend group, everyone's white and I'm the only black girl. And it's like, Oh my, like my hair, I need to straighten my hair. Like, Oh, what are they wearing? I need to replicate what they wear so that I fit in more. You know what I'm, I'm I'm remembering. I think I was hurt. (laughs) I was hurt because my first crush was a little chocolate thing. We was, we was in, you know, first grade. I was up on the other side of town. I still remember her name. I won't say it. But I remember I really liked this girl. Oh, this was my girl. And then we moved. And I thought I would never see her again. Mm-hmm. No, she moved. And I thought I would never see her again. So that was like my first big big crush actually my second the first one was uh she's another chocolate girl you know and tell me why i went through this little self-hatred period after we had moved and then my freshman year of high school towards the end i reconnected with this girl and i found out she liked me then and she liked me again ah it went full circle we never like dated and talked because she just went to a school that was too far. But it was like a full circle moment. And it proved to me that my self-hatred had just went away. Because if I could like her again, then I was fixed. Oh. So, yeah. Um, that's crazy. How did we even get on colorism? Oh, because we talked about how we got tan from our vacation. 
Yeah. So where we go on vacation? California. Except, can we talk about how Kaylin's over here? Oh, we're vacation, tan vacation. And in that episode, you were saying, "I'm in mourning. This ain't no vacation." I was in mourning. That's what you said. So, y'all, we are back from our California vacation where we went to celebrate my grandmother's life, who passed away and went on to glory. Going out yonder. Now, some of y'all have been to some funerals. You know, if they start singing that song, you are crying. I don't care who you is. You're going to start crying. So the funeral was beautiful. You know, it's a shame that within most families, it's true that most families only only come together during funerals and family reunions. And my grandma's home going, I should say, because Kyra learned a new thing that black people don't do funerals we do home goings i think it's like christian people christian people christian black folks gospel folk uh believe us and my whole family was there it was beautiful it it wasn't sad but we cried a lot and it just really brought us together and that was that was special special moments there um after that we hung out with my family a lot hung out with kyra's family and then we went to the beach and that was so so nice y'all y'all know me Y'all know me. I can't really stand California. I'm I'm heartbroken. You know, I'm a Cali boy. You can't take the the, the Cali out the boy. Um, so I still think that California is the the best state. But I just cannot stand how it's ran. Oh my goodness. So here we are in Texas, but the Cali boy got to experience some parts of Cali that he ain't grow up seeing. Y'all, I'm talking. I grew up going to Venice Beach. I grew up going to Malibu. I grew up going to beaches like that. Oh, we went to Newport. We went to San Diego. It was all in. It wasn't in uh, Laguna. Laguna. Oh, Carlsbad. It's so nice. That almost got us. I wouldn't be surprised if that gets us. That did get me. I started looking at houses. I said, oh, was on. you? Hold on. I'm trying to figure out what, what I happened. Like, I don't think I'm getting on a flight back to Texas. Look, look. <laughs> I'm never. I'm I never. started thinking, did I ever even want to move to Texas? I, <laughs> I started thinking, how I end up in Texas? See, look, y'all, we start questioning it all. <laughs> it don't take me but no time to figure out a whole life plan. I say, you know what? Matter of fact, I think I've always wanted to go to UC Irvine. Kaylin <laughs> was like, I can, I can make, I can, I can make it work. I, I can make a plan. <laughs> don't tell me that because once I know you can make a plan, I'm trying to figure out how them, uh, them house prices escaped us so much though i said what happened all these houses over a million dollars why is it over a million look i heard mike tyson say you got to pay for paradise and it's really crazy as california is that weather is crazier oh my goodness y'all i couldn't believe it was cold sometimes 67 degrees that's what i got my air on i can't even put my air on here 67 degrees on the beach on the coast also hands down i'm not arguing with nobody about this i know what you're gonna say or the food in california runs laps around texas everywhere you go in california is gonna have good food i don't care what nobody say from the mexican food we we spoke to the a restaurant owner in our hometown you know in the valley um and he was, I said, I'm in Texas now, buddy. Tell me why. Tell me the why. Tex-Mex is so nasty. The Mexican food here is so good. And the Mexican food in Texas is so bad. And we both share the border. He said, listen. He said, the Mexicans that live in Texas consider themselves Tejones. So they, they um, like their Texas heritage more or sometimes like claim it more. Look. I don't know nothing about this. So this is what he said. This is not me. Um, in California, Mexican, Mexican, like they claiming that heritage ain't changing them. Nothing. They, they, what fusion? Tex-Mex who? We doing straight Mexican food. He said, also, it's unfair because you're in the valley. Like all the all the food, all the, the crops that go into the Mexican food are grown here. From the guacamole to the tomatoes to the onions to the everything. So we just go straight from there, from the field. Straight to the restaurant, farm to table. Talk about farm to table, y'all. Mm. <laughs> I about cried. Tell like no we no exaggeration. It multiple times, it's so good. I about cried. How many pounds do you think you gain on vacation? 
Um, I don't know. I was about 15. <laughs> no, divided by two. I was up something like that. I was trying to get up. 15. Well, these pants couldn't even fit me before we went and now they fit. So I don't know. We was eating good. And I have no shame. And nobody tried to shame me either. You know, California is very accepting. Very nice. Um, so weather was good. Food is killing. And we just got a different California experience this time. Like we went up and down the coast. Mm-hmm. We got friends and family pretty much everywhere there now. And then we topped it off like a little cherry on top boop, at Disneyland. Perfect. Mm. Beautiful. Oh. I feel like we need a round two, like vacay this summer. Yeah, I want to go up to Northern California, the Eurekas, the Yosemites, the all that. Maybe we should go all the way from like the very tippity top of Northern California through Oregon and Washington. Like go driving up, or something? Up the whole Pacific Northwest by train, by, by car, mm. by plane. Okay. By plane? Well, I was no, fine. no, no. Y'all, I'm getting a little discouraged about the plane thing. The pilot pilot thing y'all i flew when we was in newport and it was just so beautiful flying over irvine flying over orange county (sighs) flew over the ocean i was over the clouds it was trippy it's very trippy and if you've never flown a small plane there's really nothing like it um we did some stalls we turned the engine off (laughs) and i was flying up there like i'm controlling this mug um but yesterday last night i started looking up some catastrophes um catastrophic accidents in these planes and i've done this before but this was before i had even taken my first discovery flight so now i'm looking at these accidents these uh emergency situations where they have to call mayday and all this stuff and i'm I'm starting to know what's going on i'm starting to know why there's an emergency and i'm starting to understand why the pilots failed and um were able to recover or why it led to their death. And it's, I feel like I'm in my head now. And that's not a good place, not to, a be. Good place to be. I don't want to fly out of fear. I don't want to do anything out of fear. But. I mean, isn't that the whole point of taking a discovery flight though? Is you're just. But it's fun. It out. I got bit by the bug, but I'm just so in my head. Like it's scary to think that you could die. Like this past discovery flight that I went on. Uh, it was a Cessna um, 172, brand new 2020 or 2022. Um, so it had all the advanced avionics, brand new engine, no hours on it. It was nice. Air conditioned, just great. Clean, all that. Okay. The other airplane that I went on was a light sports aircraft and it had a parachute in it. So going up, I'm like, okay, I don't know nothing else about this. This is my first time going up, but I know how to pull this with parachute. 15 pounds of, of force and deploy this parachute if something goes wrong. But in that plane, that was the first plane I went in with just me and the guy who's younger than me, by the way, way younger. And it's just us with no parachute and these engines. And it's just like, yeah, kind of trippy. But I don't know. I'm kind of getting a little discouraged. Like, man, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I'll just do like the ground training and learn how to do it and like never go fly. But that's just pointless. Pointless. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just like drop it in my priorities and try and build up my confidence again. But it's okay. Um, now that we're back, what's up with you? How how you feeling? You learn anything this week, or are you learning too much this week in preparation mm-hmm. for something? <laughs> I'm drowning, quite literally. I what like what is our life since we've gotten back? Pacific Standard Time is not even that far. You're taking Caitlin's taking a sippy sip of my water. Um, Pacific Standard Time is not that far off of central time so i don't know why the time change has just been jarring like we're going to sleep past midnight wait i was waking up at like 11 i haven't woken up since at 11 since like before kids that's wild um the boys have been going to sleep super late i mean tonight they're in bed a little bit earlier but at first they were like not tired until midnight because it was only 10 p.m in california so I feel like just with our schedules, I feel like when I wake up at 11, the day's over. I know mm-hmm. this is not true, but it just feels that way. Um, on top of my midterm is this week, which is just, I'm not necessarily nervous for it, but I do have to like make sure I put in time to prepare for it. That's the only thing. 
is I have to, like, I have to study for it. We do have a study guide for it. Um, and so I just want to make sure I know what I need to know because I'm pretty sure the study guide is going to be the actual exam basically. Um, and so it's a lot of just memorization of like which of the tribes settled on this side of the river versus that side of the river, like just random little things like that, that you have to know. It's an old Testament, um, like class, like an overarching view of it. So there's just like little facts about the old Testament that he wants us to know. Um, and then I'm pretty sure some of the questions are like long form answer, which is just kind of like a little spooky. So anyway, that is taking up a lot of mental space on top of just, you know, the apartment, keeping it clean, um, laundry, work. It's just a lot. Yeah. I was talking to Kaylin like, how how are we supposed to balance like being able to rest and know that we won't be able to ever you know tick off every single thing on our to-do list and like rest in that that like we know that's just fact we won't be able to do everything versus if i don't do these things then my like success basically goes away like what i've built up goes away or lowers yeah like how how do you measure it like how do you because there's things even though i'm exhausted at the end of the day and i look at my to-do list and i see that i'm getting like a lot of stuff done but there's still areas that i want to do better at and be better in and there's things in the back of my mind like oh my i should get to that i should get to that i should get to that but i don't so then i don't want to feel so crappy about myself and just come down on myself because then I'll just feel so defeated. And then I'm like, well, what's the point of even trying? Because there's no way I can fulfill every area of my life. So there's no point in even trying. Versus having like grace for yourself. Yeah. I saw a, um, a tweet. And it, it kind of is in the same sentiment of the people who talk about they don't dream of labor. And when I first... Y'all know how I am. When I first saw that, I'm just like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) What is such an entitled generation I live in? All this stuff, right? But I saw a tweet that actually um, made me, you know, kind of take a step back and and think about this. And actually, we even had a conversation a little bit about it. And the same, I'll tie it in. Um, The tweet that it was saying that, like, the idolization of hustle culture is, like, super weird. And that you shouldn't have to hustle to have, like, a nice life basic means yeah yeah like to have shelter you know to be able to eat to be able to enjoy the finer things in life like you shouldn't have to hustle all the time in order to do that and we were having a conversation uh, i think yesterday where um i think we were talking about retirement retirement age social security and how eventually that's all going to go bankrupt um and how our generation from our checks through our taxes, we're paying into the social security fund and our grandparents are able to, you know, live off of that because they paid into it too, but they're a much bigger generation than we are. So they're absorbing all of our social security payments into the system and more. So the whole system should be bankrupt within like the next 10 years or whatever. So by the time we retire, there's actually not going to be, that social safety net in social security anymore for us. Um, And since we don't stay in jobs as long as our parents and grandparents, we don't actually get pensions. And since we're talking about um, we have to hustle so much. And even when we hustle, a lot of people aren't able to make enough money in order to have a savings. So they don't even have retirement savings or we probably won't have as much retirement savings in the future. So that's that three-pronged leg thing that they tell you to think about for retirement and it looks like the millennial generation and the gen z specifically and even cardinum generation basically get screwed because we don't have an opportunity to have any of that unless you hustle get lucky make a lot of money and then can self-fund your retirement um so we were talking about oh like what should be done i think you were saying like oh well the government going to take care of it? 
or something like that or like isn't it going to be like socialized and it's like no no i said that i think it's kind of silly not silly but i just find it interesting that in order to like success can look different for everybody i'm not even talking oh you have to be a millionaire you know like i mean even just being able to buy a house right now being able to have like food buy the formula you need buy all the diapers you need like seems like so many people are struggling when it you would think that basic means of living of like keeping our human bodies alive would be like the bare minimum yeah and i was asking um again just playing the opposite side i'm like okay well why are people entitled to that type of life because you were telling me about like somebody who lived in new york that's what it was this girl had lived in new york and oh yeah i saw this tiktok and i think it was actually austin and she was basically saying that they raised the rent so much that she's now having to move and that people who are native to austin are just really struggling to even live there right now because like the price of everything is just so wild yeah and i'm like that's it's unfortunate because that's what happens when there's inflation um but also that's what happens when the demand for an area exceeds the supply yeah. it, it causes the price to go up so i think i rebuttaled and i'm like okay why do you think that she's entitled to live there like why? i didn't say she was i'm not saying that but i'm saying just these are rhetorical questions yeah. like why is she entitled to live there even if she had lived there before um and then why is she entitled to stay there for a lower price that she had before if there are more people that are coming in willing to pay more? Now, I know um, a lot of our audience are from major urban areas where you've seen gentrification happen and you've seen people who have lived in areas that at one point were desire or undesirable because they got pushed out of the, the city centers or you could say white flight, white people flee to the suburbs, Black people stay in these urban areas, and now these urban areas that were were at one point undesirable are now being gentrified, and the people who had low rents or subsidized rents that were on Section 8 are now being kicked out of these places. So I understand that argument, and I do think that to a certain extent that's unfair, and there's got to be something to combat that. But in this case, homegirl lives in an area where other people are willing to be a higher bidder. And I'm like, is that capitalism? Well, I'm like, they're raising the rent two grand. Why did the building get nicer? Are you offering more things? Like, no, you're. O- it's only because there are more people coming that are willing to pay a higher price. When Austin is like a college town, like the young people are used to being able to live there and like enjoy their hometown without it like basically being exploited. Yeah, and so I, under- I I understand from that because. I could, I would be, I, I imagine I would feel sad too if like this is, this is literally the streets I grew up on and like my parents live not too far and like I went to school here, like this is my hometown, but then everybody like moves there in a rush and just has more money and kind of boots you out. Yeah. But again, there is no such thing I understand her sentiment. Like it, it does suck. Because especially in Texas, um, we're talking about Austin, if everybody did move there and the property values did increase because the other properties around it um, start going up in price through people purchasing them for higher prices. Then it also means that that building is going to be valued more, um, especially if this is a yeah. um, like a multi-unit like apartment complex. The way that they value that building is how much money it's generating. So when the state reassesses the property tax rate for that, that's actually going to go up. And then everything else also goes up too. So the lumber that they're going to need, the drywall that they're going to need when people move out or when they need something fixed, the plumber that comes and fixes the plumbing, everybody's charging more. So if those rents don't go up, now the owner's not going to have enough money to service the building. And that's what happens when there is uh, a rent control. When owners of these buildings can't charge what the market rent is in these areas, these buildings ultimately become slum buildings. They, they have to because there's not enough money to reinvest in the space. We live in a very, very nice building. And I remember going from our last apartment we were here to here. I could not. It, 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 it was like a culture shock how much of a lifestyle change it was. Um, the standard of living was just better. 
And I'm just like, why? Well, because we're paying double the rent. And I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm entitled to be living like this for that other price. And that's just not the case here. We were paying one price and we got one I mean, experience. they literally say you pay for what you get. So Right. And then we move here and it's like, if something goes wrong, the maintenance is going to be here within dang near the hour. Um, you have concierge, you have, well, coffee, you place. have views, you have all this. I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, you really got to pay for it. Yeah. And even like you have to pay for somebody to enforce the rules. Like at our other building, there was supposed to be no smoking, but our apartment constantly smelled like weed. Like constantly. There was always dog feces in like oh. literally inside the building, like in the hallways, like days, days it would just sit there. Um, here, if you're smoking, <laughs> you're out, out quick. Like, they don't, they literally, they will patrol the hallway waiting to smell it and we'll hunt you down and you'll yeah. be out. And I'm like, quite literally they will. I was talking to the manager the other day. Um, cause there's like an onsite property manager who also lives here. And most of the people that work in the front office live here as well. And I was asking him like, Hey, you know, I'm running into a, ran into a couple people that I haven't seen before. And they said that they were on Airbnb. I don't know. I'll talk to everybody whenever I run into people. Um, and he's just like, Oh really? And I'm like, yeah. Like, Scaling is there a snitch. way? No, I wasn't trying to snitch. I'm just like, you know, I'm not going to stay here forever, but if I can keep this rent that we are grandfathered into and we could sublet it mm-hmm. and rent out some of these rooms, I'm like, we're in a nice prime area for Dallas. Like we could really make some money by arbitraging this. And he's just like, yeah, that's not allowed. And I'm like, dang, I'm dry snitching. <laughs> I said, just did it. And he says they really, they, they have a app called sublet. Cause that's the word for like leasing out something that you are already leasing. It's called sublet. And as soon as it pops up on Airbnb in this building, it notifies them in that app. And then oh, they wow. crack down on the occupant here and make them stop doing it. Oh, wow. I think he was like capping though, because I'm like, fam. I mean, I don't think so. Cause the people that said they were Airbnb and I don't see them anymore. Oh, uh, no, I talked to some residents here and I know some people who Airbnb and successfully. Well, maybe it's not through Airbnb. Oh, it could be like a side thing. I'm not sure. I, I know the other companies like VRBO or something, yeah. but yeah, they're doing that. Um, a lot of stuff did happen while we were on vacation though. And I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't sprinkle on a little bit of it. Sprinkle of, I'm going to say sprinkle of Jesus, but there's a lot with that. I to it. But so we had the Uvalde, Uvalde uh, mass shootings. That happened. So tragic. I woke up um, to it. I think the day we were going to go to Disneyland. And I just. It's crazy because like when I was younger. Um, things like that didn't hit me as much. Because it just didn't even seem real. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm older. And I have a little bit more emotional intelligence. We and we have kids. I literally just got sick to my stomach. And I like. Kind of have like. This out of body experience as I'm reading it, like, is this even real? Like, again? Are you serious? And then I see Texas. And then, like, I know the Texas um, motif, the things that people uh, claim to hold to here with guns and freedom and liberty. So it's just really weird to, like, have that ideology and then have this still happening in a place where. This freedom, liberty, don't take my guns stuff is going on. Um, What was your initial reaction? Oh, I was bawling when we were, I don't even want to talk about it because I'm like, I feel like when I always tell Kaylin, like, once it turns into like a a kid's thing, like, I just can't. Mm -hmm. Like, I have young kids, so it's just like unimaginable to me. So it's just, it's devastating. Yeah. And like, I, I actually don't even know if there's a word to like, I'm sure those parents, are, like there's not a word to describe the pain. It's just, it's just evil. Yeah. I, that almost, it, I think it did. It, it threw us off the rest of the trip. Because um, we have a friend uh, that we had visited in San Diego. They used to live in El Paso and there was a shooting that happened there and it happened while they lived there and they have the El Paso strong saying. And 
this had already happened and I just didn't want to bring it up because it's it's triggering. Like yeah. it's, it's too close to home even for them, especially living. I even in worry El Paso. like bringing it up on the podcast when it's like I know a lot of people I noticed were saying that it takes a while to like string the words together to say when something like this happens. But then when it's like you're constantly getting hit with it, it's you don't really have time to cope because you're just so emotional. Um, it's like when you, I don't know, it's like there should be like a trigger warning or something. Cause like when you're reminded of it, like out of nowhere, it's like, oh, it just, it, it does, it alters your entire day. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what makes it so unfortunate. Like as this was happening, as this was unfolding, as there's more information happening, I think we've all heard about, uh, the teacher that had gotten killed and then she has kids and then like the next day, her husband or the next couple of days, her husband dies from a heart attack because they were together since like high school. And um, what really got me and this is ooh, this has been grinding my gears. Um, and again. We're just this is layman's knowledge, what we've heard, there's probably more stuff that's going to be released later. It's hard. It's hard to like get all the details about this, frankly, um, but to hear how long it had taken the cops to like go in like i'm hearing it took 45 minutes for them to even go into the school i'm hearing it took an hour i'm hearing that there was a mom who was 40 minutes away who sped over there 40 minutes away like we live in texas we know how much i heard there was somebody who knew the gunman was there and the police weren't doing anything so she ran into the school and grabbed her kids and ran out before the shooting actually took place I do feel like it's it's difficult because you see like a lot of videos from people that were outside of the school at the time, like videos of the placemen that were apparently outside the school. It's hard. Like you don't really know what's true and what's not. So it's like hard to speak on. But I'm seeing like I saw a video of the mom talking about like what she did. Like she got arrested, broke free from the handcuffs, hopped the fence, went and got her kids. One kid that was closer to the gunman, one that was further away and still got out before they had even got in and she's saying there was nobody in there and i'm just like and then i i saw i mean is it i don't even know if it's like if it's pointless to just go on and about like things that people have said or i mean fact of the matter is like kids were literally brutally murdered and that's just that's what that that was the outcome whatever whatever took place whoever left the door open like what really triggered me um oh it's so weird because whenever stuff like this happens um what's starting to really get me is the the news cycle about it and there's a common saying in news a lot of y'all are probably already guessing it but for those of y'all who don't know they say if it bleeds it leads so for these media companies these news organizations Um, social media companies, the more they can show you tragic events, the more they can show you uh, these catastrophic events, the more they can show you these things that invoke emotion out of you, the more attention they have, the more money they make. And what really grinds my gears beyond all belief is how politicized this got immediately. Like I'm literally in bed, just like, again, having that out of body experience, like what, huh? Texas, what? What? And then boom, I'm seeing the tweets. I'm seeing the articles. Um, you got the Democrats and the progressives talking about gun control. You got the Republicans right before an NRA convention where a lot of them were listed to speak, talking about you're not going to take our guns, guns don't do this, this is whatever. And obviously, like most things, it's probably in the middle. Um, why does this stuff happen? I think it's three or four things. I think the Democrats are right that guns actually do kill people. Like guns are lethal weapons and you and myself being trained, owning guns, many hours of training. You point that thing at someone, it's lethal. You don't point it at someone unless you plan to kill them. It kills people. Um, So maybe there does need to be more gun control and more background checks because there already are background checks i know a lot of people don't know this because they don't actually own guns and 
look, we own guns. Like I said before, I'll say it again. I ain't married to no guns. Um, I do think that we have the rights. So, like, I'm a Second Amendment uh, supporter. But it's a hard case when you start thinking about the access to these guns that people have. And I know I get I get the arguments too. They'll be like, "Oh, these are semi-automatic guns, and if you ban semi-automatic guns that people call rifles or they call AR-15s, which is just a semi-automatic gun, they don't understand that you're also banning handguns, that you're also mm-hmm. banning um, revolvers because they're semi-automatic too." But the thing that gets lost in the conversation is how easy it is to modify these rifles and make them more lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's still worth debating the magazine sizes all the ways that you can modify them and all the ways that you can get access to the attachments to make them more lethal than they already are um so there's that but the other thing is um i do think that it's a cultural thing i think that why is it that there are just as many guns today as there probably were 50 years ago um and there's more mass shootings today than there were 50 years ago. Why is it that whenever there's a mass shooting, it's always some young man? If there's just as many about males and females, why is it that whenever there's a mass shooting, it's always a young man? What is it? What's in the water? What's going on with our boys? Because the girls were raised in the exact same culture that the boys are in. But the boys are doing it. Like back in the day, families had their guns just accessible to like their kids had access to them and kids were trained how to shoot guns. Kids were trained how to kill animals. And they're like, you don't you don't hear about mass shootings then when kids actually had access to the guns like they were just out. Yeah, that's why I say it's like it's a it's a gun problem. It's a cultural problem. Obviously, as a Christian, it's a sin problem. Yeah. I think that it's a it's a lack of training problem. It's a no dads in the home problem. It's a nihilistic problem, worldview-wise. It, 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 there, there's just so much to it. It's not just one thing. And I think what gets lost in this conversation is the nuance of it being multiple things because people are trying to score political points and people aren't willing to compromise. They're not willing to sacrifice. That's what a compromise entails. Okay, if we're willing to compromise on this issue and make sure that most people feel safe, where can we sacrifice? And as right, a person, like if we could confirm that, like everybody turn in their guns, ban guns, and nobody's allowed to have guns, and that would ensure that no child is ever murdered again in school or in a movie theater or whatever. And like some people would still be against it. Oh, I would be against it. Even if you knew that no child would ever die again. Yes. You would still be against it. Yes. Because second amendment is it's for our personal protection and to protect against a government that would force us to do things that we don't want to do. Like at the end of the day, the only thing that protects us against some totalitarian government is the fact that we can be armed. That's why you never see. I mean, also, obviously, our military has like way more advanced guns than we do, but it's still a fight that we can put up against them. But even for my own household, we see how long it takes the police to come. I don't know if y'all grew up in neighborhoods where if you call the police, they take a long time to come. But not only have I heard stories, but we've also experienced it where. Talk about defunding the police, which has happened. Have y'all tried to call the police? Y'all see how long it takes them to come? I don't want to leave my fate and the protection of my family in anybody else's hands. I want to have access to weapons. But do I need a machine gun? No, but those are already banned. Do I need an AR-15? Do I need a rifle to do that? Is that my prerogative? Right now, it's illegal. And who's to say that good citizens shouldn't have access to those? Because the other argument is criminals are going to break the law. What this kid did when he went in there and killed those other kids is he broke the law. So laws, yeah, they can put the hurdle 
a little bit closer to the end. But if you're going to go through all this demented thinking, all this perverted thinking, all this evil thinking, and get yourself all riled up to do something crazy, a whole hurdle at the end isn't going to divert you. It may make it harder, but you can just go around it, go over it, and you're still going to do what you're going to do. But now... That's why I think the mindset to do something like that comes first and then getting the weapon to do it. Yeah, but I think that's a cop out because in Texas, they'll just say, oh, it's a mental health problem. But that's what our governor Abbott is talking about. It's it's just mental health. Yeah, but it's also sin. It's also culture. It's also this kid should not have been able to get that gun. It's also so many other things. Where it's like, are we just focusing on one solution because we're trying to win political points and not upset our base? Or are we looking at all the issues and trying to address those? Yeah. Man, it's so sad. It's so sad. But you you turn your guns in? Like if they had a um, I like mean, a buyback obviously program. my, like that would never, I don't think that would ever happen because I'm saying if they could like 100% confirm it, that will never, they will never be able to confirm it. And to... Even if everybody was instructed to turn their guns in, I don't, I don't think everyone's going to do that. Like there are literally, aren't there more guns than people? They say. Don't they say that? But criminals aren't going to do that. Right, exactly. So it's the gun, the, the turning the gun in thing I think is too far gone. If they had a gun buyback program in America, like they did in Australia, would you go return your gun for cash? To, oh, to, no. Why? Because um, I like to have like the option to protect myself if I need to. Especially as a woman today, especially in especially Texas. Especially after moving to Texas. I mean, when we moved to Texas, my DMs were like flooded with horror stories. Everybody telling me like, be so safe. Um, don't walk it. So I was started like looking into some things and I was like, oh, it's actually kind of scary to live here as a woman, like as a young woman. Even as a man, so- I already had my run in. And I was so glad I had my gun on me. Yeah. Like one thing you're not going to catch me doing is slipping. You're just not. It's not going to happen. Don't slip. Because at the end of the day, I got to look out for me because I got to look out for y'all. If I'm gone, I'm gone. Now Carter and Kaiser don't got a dad. That's not happening. So that's that's how I think of it. But I'm not walking around with a rifle either. The other thing that I think adds some nuance to this conversation is I see a lot of people on the left, moderate, or you could say center left, even far left, maybe just even left, that bring up, I think is a good point where they say, or they, they try and contrast um, when people on the right talk about caring about children's lives and being pro-life until it involves banning guns for the sake of trying to save people's lives. Um, they juxtapose that and they say, look, y'all act like y'all care about kids. And you know, they bring up the foster care arguments and all that, but this is a new one where they talk about, but you don't support gun control. And we know that gun control can lower the amount of deaths because we're the only country in the world that has this amount of mass shootings and where people well, are gun disarmed. control is a very broad term. Yes. And again, it's political points. So it's like, what do we mean when we say these things? What do you think about that? Where they say, if you can save lives by implementing some types of gun restrictions and save the lives of children in the future, why wouldn't you do that? And if that's a lot easier than trying to win the pro-life battle, why wouldn't we fix this first and then that? I'm not sure I caught up with that. What do you mean? Like, what did that mean? It means, look, there's a lot of issues that are on the table. Let's go one at a time. You say you're pro-life. We can save kids' lives right now by passing common common sense gun laws. Tighten down on them. We can save their life. We could do that today. Why won't you advocate for that? What is a common sense gun law? They would say the national background checks. They would say things like if you um, like access to your like, I guess, medical history, mental history, if you have any red flags, FBI database, things like that. 
The problem, though, is I mean, it's so loaded with, okay, is this just an incrementalism thing that we're talking about? Like, are you just trying to pass smaller and smaller gun laws and gun reforms so that eventually you can just get rid of the Second Amendment? Is that what you're doing? If you're talking about, like, looking at people's medical history, even mental health history, I would imagine a lot of people would be against that. Well, if somebody ends up, you know, um, in a mental institution and then they get let out and you know that they're trying to go buy a gun or in the past they So we're not talking about like therapy, stuff like that. Well, therapists would be somebody who could wave the red flag. Teachers would be the types of people who can wave the red flag because it is said that these school shooters... The teachers who work at these schools know who the kids are that are at risk. So, but that even brings up another thing where it's like, is that discriminatory? To rave red flags on people, people that are supposed to, or supposedly like trusting you, a pastor, somebody in his congregation that he thinks he needs to wave the red flag. Can he report that? A teacher, um, a therapist, uh, people that have actually been in mental institutions, or like violent behavior in the past, any domestic violence, no access to guns, things like that. Like I feel like that makes sense, but it probably already exists. Again, I'm I'm not informed on that, but I think that it is a good point to say. Okay, pro life, and the people on the right saying to the people who want the gun control, is it incrementalism? Are you just trying to pass smaller laws so that you can eventually do away with the Second Amendment? Mm. The retort to that on the left is that's exactly what you're doing with abortion. And that's something that we wouldn't apologize for, people who are pro-life. It's like absolutely yes. Because we think that that's wrong. And they say absolutely yes. Because we think that kids dying by guns is wrong. So one thing that I've been considering a lot and learning a lot about lately is empathy. If my last month of life has taught me anything, although I still think that I'm right, it's that you can be right and ugly. (laughs) And I don't want to be right and ugly. And if I can be right and empathetic or even wrong and empathetic, because when I'm wrong, I want people to show me grace. I want people to empathize my sentiments right nobody likes a gotcha right even if it's not right and wrong and it's just your beliefs my beliefs we can we coexist can we show empathy so i'm really trying to learn that and as we know um in our culture for guys to have emotional intelligence it's not that common and lately it's been something that's been pushed a lot that's something that's an area that i'm growing in um, not only IQ, but also EQ. So y'all pray for me as I endeavor to be more empathetic. Um, especially, you know, now that we have a microphone, we have a platform. I don't want to be reckless on here. I don't want to not feel people. We talked about empathy before. Remember? That's why I'm so slow to speak on the podcast because I'm in my, my mind is telling me, Okay, be careful because there might be somebody struggling with this. Okay, be care- don't say it like that or don't actually don't say anything at all because mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to speak and think about every different scenario somebody who's listening could be living in the moment. And so it's it, it is it's difficult to Yeah. So you again, you just may be so far beyond me cuz I even as you say that I kind of like I get all tensed up because I'm just like, no, nah, it sounds soft. Be, and be, like, Yeah, don't be yeah. soft. Be hard. Stop coddling them. What's a trigger warning? Forget political correctness, all this stuff. But like, it's so weird that like I started off so far on this spectrum of people are so soft, have a backbone, say what you want to say. And it seems like every year I'm getting closer and closer to like understanding more nuance and empathy. Like, even the reaction we got from the abortion thing, I didn't feel like what I was saying was that antagonistic. I didn't think people would react like that. 
So like what kind of hurt me was I hurt people. And I'm like, wait, I still think that I'm right, but I hurt you. You mean there's a way to like wield your words? There's a way to steward this conversation. And it's not just about intellectually dunking on somebody because you think that you're smarter. You have a, a more concrete and solid argument, a more valid argument. But it's also combining that with meeting them where they are and understanding where they're coming from, not just from their head, but from their heart. Ah, so much work. But that's what I like about you because you're very, very emotionally intelligent. And I think people appreciate that. Um, Everybody thinks I'm stupid, apparently. No, no, no. Because even if they did, at least they know that they feel you. What did Maya Angelou say? That people don't remember what you say to them, how you dream. They remember how you make them feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that people really like you because they they feel safe around you. And I think that yeah. some people uh, prejudge me because, you know, it's an arena. It's, it's a <laughs> battleground. Like, Kaylin's coming at you. But you also, you love that, though. Like, you love debate. Is what I, I love mean. debate. And so, but not everybody's looking for a debate. So right. I think that's the hard thing. And that's what growing together is all about, though. Um, stretching us all from our comfort zones and challenging us in ways. For me, it's so probably weird to even hear. For me, the challenge is empathy. <laughs> <laughs> but for them, the challenge is probably a coherent argument, yeah. a deductive argument, right. an inductive yeah. argument, a valid argument. So, like, no one is better than the other. It's I'm just so, I can't believe I'm hearing you say that. What? But no, one is not better than the other. As <sighs> Kaylin st- would say, "Logic or die." Okay, it's not logic or die; it's truth plus love. <laughs> Shout out to my boy Matt Brown. Because look, I'm not going to deny the truth, right? Yeah, because it hurts. Because the truth is a double-edged sword, and we know that that's biblical. Yeah. However. Love, love, love is compelling. I mean, I always think about like, I think when I was younger, um, people always say, you know, like, um, God don't like ugly (laughs) and not in like how you look, but how your attitude is Mm. like the way someone speaks or carries themselves or how they, how you see them behind closed doors. That's really what you think of them. It doesn't matter how sly, how slick, how cute they are. Their their words and how they they're actually who they are inside can be like such a turn on or a turn off to who they are. And that could be like in friendships, marriage, whatever. And so I always think that like, am I more likely to change somebody's mind through being right and ugly or by being, you know, half right, not necessarily dunking, but like, hey, what about this? And being gentle and like slow to speak. Mm. which one's more likely i think once you turn somebody off and you just kind of have an ugly attitude it's i feel like it's so much harder to like earn their trust back and shift that mindset they have wow well again y'all just pray for us as we endeavor to continue growing in the right directions every directions but mostly the right ones (laughs) the right one honestly uh and empathy and intelligence eq and iq y'all hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode lots and lots of heavy topics that we're talking about um but like i said you know we ain't dodging nothing we ain't dodging nothing i don't care how ignorant i sound i don't care how right i sound i don't care how wrong i sound we gotta talk about this because we're not news anchors so exactly whatever is in me needs to come out deal with the scrutiny we can shape it reform it fix it and then i'll be better off Y'all be better off. Cairo be better off because of it. So we got to have these conversations. I know um, it's been weeks and weeks of just like heavy, heavy stuff. But this is our world, y'all. This is the world that we live in. And um, although we are just sojourners traveling through, I want to make sure that I'm down to earth Mm -hmm. and that I'm here existing and dealing with things that we're actually dealing with. So um, thank y'all for hanging out with this. Thank y'all for listening thus far. If y'all have any topic suggestions, shoot Kyra an Instagram uh, message or something like that because I know she reads them all. 
Anywho, thank y'all for hanging out with this once again. And as we always say, let's, let's keep, keep growing, growing together. together.